This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. And welcome to another brand new edition of the Municipals. The premier attempts to form fit the green belt onto another. Our mayor is making some bold choices, and we here at the Municipals have a very special announcement. I am, of course, Matthew. And I'm Philip. And we are blessed to be here once again. And do you know, I don't think, I don't know if this is on the exact date, but it's around the anniversary. We've never talked about this before, but today, or I guess this time, is like the 20th anniversary of the blackout of 2003. Do you, you, got, know, a, do you got a story? I don't, that's the thing. I don't think I do. The The problem is, um, and I feel like this has to go into the way that me and my brothers were raised, um, and this will sound like I'm talking about something completely different, but I'll, <laughs> I'll jump back to the blackout. Uh, you know, when COVID started, <laughs> and I believe that's going to be like a weird segue, you know, with the lockdowns and all that stuff, you have to understand uh, during the during the during all that time, I I worked as a security guard. Doug Ford made security guards essential. Now, that was just, you know, for construction workers and, you know, their insurance cut they get for having security guards. Like, it's, I'm very cynical about the whole thing, but. I was frustrated about that situation because I felt like me and my brothers were raised almost designed to be perfectly equipped to deal with a lockdown. Like, you know, our early childhood was spent in a dark, cool basement playing Sega Genesis. You know, we were just living our best lives. And so I I don't know how I'm trying to make that make sense here. Um, you know, didn't really get to do that too much because I was working the whole pandemic, but during the blackout, we didn't do anything because we weren't sporty athletic kids. We weren't outdoorsy kids. We were gremlin, you know, hide in the dark kids. So when the lights went out, it's not like we were like, oh, hell yeah, freedom to go outside. We were not those kids. Uh, so for me, this is around the time where um, I believe I mentioned it last week or the week before that I was uh, in family residence. And I don't think I think my my oldest, who was my only at the time, I think she was at an access visit with her whatever. Anyway, Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, and so I was by myself, and I was playing did they have PS3 back out, out then. Maybe it was PS2. I don't know. It's one of them. That would have been PS2. I was playing a game. I think it was rest. I was big into the wrestling games back then, and it just cut off right in the middle, and I was like, fuck! 
And then <laughs> I thought it was because we've been having a few blackouts, like a few like on off or on off. And then, you know, maybe 10 minutes later it comes back on. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I guess I'll wait the 10 minutes or whatever it's going to be. And it, 10 minutes later, it didn't come back on. Didn't get, and I was like, what the fuck am I? I got no TV. My video game system obviously is not going to work. I don't think, I think my phone was almost dead. I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And um, I mean, I just stepped outside my, my room and I started meeting other people because I'm a, I'm a little bit of a hermit. Like I don't, I won't go out of my way to meet new people. Sometimes they have to come to me. That's just the way I, sometimes I operate. I can't help it. But uh, I mean, that's my little story for the, uh, the blackout. We need to find more outdoorsy people. I know. I was, <laughs> I was hoping. I was hoping that you would have a kick-ass story and save our listeners from my boring story. No, we were <laughs> little gremlins. We were raised to be little gremlins, and now we are just adult gremlins. <laughs> so let's talk about the Wilmot Township Mayor, uh, Miss Natasha Salonen who publicly stated, I think it was on CTV News, that she makes, first, it's a small town, so obviously they don't make the 200 and whatever thousand that that Tori and now Olivia Chow is making, but they make 90,000 and she can't afford to buy a house in her, in the township in which she lives. That is ridiculous. I mean, am I wrong there? I mean, we are, like... <laughs> We don't need to say it any any stronger or any which way. We're in a housing crisis, and uh, it's it's interesting that the people who are in charge of they set the policy. It's up to them to kind of figure this out. You know, I'm not condemning her because you know it's not her fault. We're in the system of you know housing is an investment tool instead of a necessity. But holy shit. Like I, we just have to change. We have, to, in my mind, we have to change the path we're heading on in terms of housing. Well, with that, let's talk about the premier's green belt. He is, oh hell yeah, shifting blame to uh, so the the minister of is it municipal affairs and housing, Mr. Steve Clark. His chief of staff, whose name is Ryan Amato, they're 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 saying that this guy was in charge of selecting what parts of the green belt were were going to be, I guess, unlocked. And I gotta ask, when you heard that, I mean, who do you who do you think that was for? Who's going to believe that bullshit? That a chief of staff of not even the premier's office, but the, the another minister's office is the one calling the shots. I mean, really, it's we, we don't believe that, right? It's an insult to um to our intelligence, not just you you and mine, but all of the constituent, all of his constituents, the people of Ontario. It's a joke, and uh, I'm in his writing. God damn it, dude! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like. What a fucking clown is, you know, I think the main thing I kind of want to get across where it's we're being. I don't know if the term gaslit applies here. I don't know if that's appropriate to use here, but it's just like it's it's crazy 
I mean, when you're constantly faced with the failures of this government. And so, for example, um, I don't know, uh, not to jump away from the Greenbelt stuff, because that's a big thing. But I don't know if you've heard um, that it sounds like some teachers unions are sort of talking about on the sort of sounds like they're on the precipice of a vote strike. Yes, I heard and that, that. And that seems like it's coming off of... Um, it seems like the gov- the Ford government, and I, of course I believe that because I'll, I will, if you tell me anything, anything negative about the Ford government, I promise you, I will believe you. I hate them. <laughs> but, you know, it sounds like them to drag their feet on negotiations. You know what I mean? So it doesn't sound to me, you know, so far-fetched. And so I got my hair cut today. No, it's it, we're in audio format, but Matthew, I don't know if you noticed, it's not quite as. I mean, the the headphones kind of would conceal it normally, but I got a haircut. A little you mean bit. you mean after I saw you today? Yeah. Oh, yes, it yeah, looks yeah. good. I wasn't sure because, <laughs> because of the headphones. I wasn't sure. Yes. I momentarily took off the headphones to display. Some luscious locks. That is a decent look for a city councilor in waiting. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm feeling <laughs> that. Um, oh, it's just... Can I read a... It, oh, sorry. Um, Can I read a quote? Before before you do that, I just... I want to say, while I was sitting there and getting my hair cut, completely forgot why I brought up getting my hair cut, except for my own vanity. Um, there was a commercial came on. You know, of course, it's playing the radio for the music. And a commercial comes on for the, you know, Ontario Department of Education or whatever. Well, I think it's just the government of Ontario. But it's like they're talking about sort of what they've done for schools. Now, of course, you know, if you've been paying attention, you know, they haven't really done jack shit for schools. Um, but it's it's interesting that they're playing this ad right now. We're not, school hasn't started yet. We're in the middle of August and we're hearing about a potential strike vote. And but this shit for me, like I went to public school. I don't know about you. So this shit was like it wasn't every year, but it was like every four, three to four years. It always started in August. I just mean, it's interesting, the timing of the commercial in my mind, where it's like I feel like they're priming the public to be on the government side. You know, we're doing so much for your kids and these greedy teachers, they're not saying that. They're not talking about the teachers, but they're talking about the goodness of what their government is doing for schools, are which, we, again, has not hit any we, school that my kids go to. So, Are we talking about fear-mongering? Oh, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> that goddamn fear-mongering. Oh, actually, I do have an interesting thing to say about that, but we're still talking about the green belt. I assume that's what your quote is about. Yes. So I don't have a date for this quote, but it's fairly recent. Um, It says Ontario Premier Doug Ford called the green belt a, quote, scam on Thursday as the NDP accused his government of hiding from new reports about the area's planned development. Quote, we have a liberal government that got a bunch of staffers, randomly got a highlighter, and went up and down roads. 
They're going through golf courses, through buildings. It was just a big scam as far as I'm concerned. End quote. The premier said of the 2005 government, which established the space. Uh, Ford made the comments in response to questions about reports that suggested his office discussed changes to the green belt um, months prior to announcing it. It would be removing 7,400 acres from 15 different areas of the area for development. He denied that his office discussed the changes in August, as was reported by Canadian investigative online magazine, The Narwhal. The Narwhal found that senior staff members within Ford's office were emailing about the Greenbelt as early as August 23rd, 2022. It's unclear from the reports what changes were discussed and if Ford himself was aware of the discussion. Time out. I, okay, I know you want to nitpick the rest of this. I just want to pick on one point and then I'm, I'm going to give you this. Listen, I just liked how you said time out. <clears throat> I, listen, we all know that I now don't like Doug Ford, but I would have given him, even him the credit for not joining the list of leaders, premiers, prime ministers, mayors that throw their hands up and go, I didn't know this was happening. You're the fucking leader of the what if, if you're the mayor, you're the leader of the city. If you're the premier, you're the leader of the province. If you're for the if you're the prime minister, you're the leader of the country. What do you mean you don't fucking know it was go you didn't know it was going on? I don't know. Uh I, I I'm supposed I'd love to hear your comments on the quote and anything else I read. And and have we heard of the narwhal? Oh, the narwhal is just, um, I feel like they're just an independent, um, I feel like they're environment, they're most, in. I shouldn't say it if I don't quite know for sure, but I'm pretty sure their focus is on, on environmental stuff. Um, well, let's give them a shout out. Good work. Yeah, guys. hell yeah. Um, I know, like, they tweet, I know, like, a couple of the faces of the narwhal, not, like, personally, but, like, you know. I see them floating on, tweeting by. They're in my mind cool. <laughs> not a not a great, uh, you know, thought process there. But you know, you get where I'm coming from. Absolutely. Um, I feel like here's the thing, and and it's not even particular to anything that you've just read, but sort of just in general about this green belt thing in its entirety. Regardless of what he's saying now, regardless if he's going to pretend that this whole time he's thought it was a scam or whatever the fuck, it, he's lying. And that's that's what's so frustrating. It feels like no one can just say the premier is lying because we've all seen and that wasn't denied at the time. The video of Doug Ford, you know, in the back room with the developers being like, we're going to open up the green belt for development. And, you know, that was leaked out and everyone was like, uh, uh, no. And the premier and like Steve Clark and, you know, them in unison, because, you know, they do the clapping seals in unison. They post the same shit at the same time. It's very weird. But they like all were like, we unequivocally say we're not touching the green belt. We heard you. We are a government that listens to our people. 
We've heard you. Not touching the green belt. Not a zip. Never. And then they just went like, uh, who are you going to believe? Your scamming, lying ears? Or the fact that we've been saying the whole time that the green belt is a scam? Also, fuck the environment. It's just, we're, I know not everyone is so tuned into politics that they can be tricked by the premier here. And he can just say, like, it wasn't part of the deal. I've got ambitions and uh, it wasn't part of the deal. But we've been here. We've been paying attention. Um, Yeah, but do you realize that he's backing himself into a corner? So he's either a premier who's lying through his teeth and has complete control of the situation, or he's a premier who's inept and sucks as a leader. Which one of these men do you want to be, Doug Ford? And I agree with you. It's, you know, you can pick a lane. Um, you can either throw the chief of the chief of staff of the Minister of Housing under the bus and, of course, make both yourself and the Minister of Housing look like dipshits, just absolute dipshits. You know, throw them under the bus, get yourselves politically in the clear, but just make yourselves look like the dumbest fuckers, like, you know? Um, or... <laughs> take responsibility but again great ringtone um i i think that's that's my main here's here's ultimately my point about the green belt clearly it's been important for a while and it's so easy for the conservatives to go back on their word and how can we trust them on anything else i'm very i'm very cynical here's the thing It'll be hard for me to have a, I mean, I try, I really do try to be rational and, you know, not to up my own ass about the shit, but it's very hard for me to have a rational conversation about conservatives when we have in Ontario, a conservative government in power that lies constantly and is also causing our quality of life to dip. It sucks. It just, it sucks. They're a shitty government, and god damn it. Speaking of which, I'm going to play a small clip, and this was, cre- I guess, created and posted by uh, a Twitter friend, uh, T.Resident. It's a funny little thing, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. We've never seen more bathroom deals, more scams, more about that <laughs> it was obviously it. dripping in satire but oh actually sorry another momentary pause 
just after I ripped this conservative government, three new assholes, I would say. Would you agree with that? That was that was a pretty, you know, significant tarring and feathering of yes. of our provincial government. I do I actually do want to give them a strange shout out because I actually do think they I've seen from the uh what is his position? He is the Minister of Labor, Immigration, Training, and Skills Development, Monty McNaughton. Okay. And I I feel like you might have a different view than me. And that's that's only because we've had conversations about um, you know, the difference in how we handle drug use, or rather drug overuse, you know, in terms of uh safe injection sites and and that versus um treatment sort of thing um but so it was it's this article it's a globe and mail article it was posted by laura stone ontario first jurisdiction in north america to require naloxone kits in thousands of workplaces and so the minister of labor so i mean that was his policy and he sorry that's okay so he retweeted it and he added uh, why did I require businesses to have naloxone kits? More kits and more hands means more lives saved. We are hashtag working for workers leading Canada. And I tweeted at him. I mean, when I think about it, I really should be. More... I'm so I'm trying to give him proper credit here because I truly actually think that is a great policy that he's introducing. Um, and it's not that I think you're you'd be opposed to it, Matthew. Um, I guess my thought is more if it maybe you might see it as normalizing drug overuse. You know what I mean? There's that. Um, I also, I, I don't want to say that I don't like someone that I don't really know. Um, he's a conservative, so I'm going to hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> but uh, right now he's, He's not one of the ones in my line of fire, if if that's if that makes sense. No, and the thing is, I've like, <laughs> I like, I like to rag on all of them, but like, <clears throat> that was I, I am, I'm flabbergasted that I'm shocked that I could see something that I was just like, no, that's really good, thoughtful, life saving policy, and it's the first of its kind in North America. Shocker. Good shit. You know, I don't want to I don't want to give him too much credit in case someone comes and like listens to the podcast and is like, uh, OK, well, here's a million things Monty has done to solidify him as a villain. And I'll be like, Ugh. but, you know, for this policy right now, good shit, Mr. McNaughton. Absolutely. Um, Before we move on, because I got lots of stuff to talk about municipally. I want to uh, pick your brain. And did you see, I think it was a picture of, actually, I can't remember where they were. I don't know if they were on a golf course or somewhere else. But Doug Ford was in the picture, and so was Pierre Polyev. And the the article or caption or whatever it was, I can't even remember where I read it, to be honest with you. It, it made, it speculated that all is not well. And that they are far apart and they perhaps don't like each other. And I'm just wondering if you saw what I'm talking about or if you have anything to add on that. I don't, 
I don't know if I've seen that. Um, it's very interesting. I actually, I feel like they could very well not like each other. I, I feel like their their styles of conservatism is very different. I agree. Um, I feel. You're gonna, but don't you're you gonna... feel like that's don't you feel like that's hard to like explain though like what it is exactly about them that feels like they're different but they do feel like they're different I feel like um Polyev is farther right than Doug Ford I know that's probably... I do yeah no I see oh, that. You, do, you believe that I agree um, with you yeah and and the thing is is that he maybe not he maybe would not have to go so far right but he's trying to swing the pendulum because we've been so far left for so long because of Justin Trudeau. I Um, think he's trying to get the support of the PPC people. But also, there is obviously millions of people that live in the center that can go either way. Right. Swing voters. Yeah, yeah. And and even the swing voters have got to be tired of Justin Trudeau. Even the liberal loyalists got to be tired of this guy. I was tired of him years ago (laughs) in 2016 (laughs) because he got voted in, in 2015. (laughs) I, I know. I hear you. I know what you're saying. Oh man. Honestly, I, I, it goes back to a conversation we had. It was probably during the, either right after or during the the municipal by-election. In their grand scheme, in their grand plan, who's going to live in Toronto? Because there's millions of us that can't afford to. We're somehow making it here and there, you know, uh, but there's millions of us that are struggling that are barely barely making it, not making it, and just making it. All those in the, like... So I go back to my question. Well, who is Toronto designed to to house? I, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I, I was looking up apartments recently, doing a little research. The standard two-bedroom apartment, not even a house, an apartment. And, and 26. That's the average. And I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't even make. I don't, I don't even, make that much. Do I make that? <laughs> I don't even. If if I make that, I just make just just over that. And I was like, what the fuck? I like, I don't know, Philip. I'm 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 irritated with this government because I could probably do the conservative thing and turn a blind eye to all the other shit. If my shit wasn't being fucked with, that's it's one of the reasons I didn't want Justin Trudeau to be prime minister because I'm gonna say it right now, piss a lot of people off. Sorry, not sorry. I was okay with Stephen Harper being the fucking prime minister because he wasn't fucking with my life directly. Rents were I was under, not. <laughs> rents were under control. You know, anything that he was mired in, either. It didn't affect me, or I didn't give a fuck about it. Um, Justin Trudeau came in 
And one of his one of his very first things after he legalized weed, which is what got him into office, was carbon tax. Well, as as you know, I drive, so that affects me very well. Plus, grocery prices. And then Doug Ford comes along in 2018 and starts systematically destroying not even just Toronto's, Ontario's rental system. And now it's garbage. And now I'm telling you, see the amount of homeless people on the street. And this isn't fear mongering. So fuck off if you're going to accuse me of that. Not you. I'm talking about. <laughs> no, um, no, I feel like I'll I'll try to counterpoint, you, um, know, you know, when you're done. The amount of homeless people that currently reside on the street is going to double, if not triple, next year in 2024 for those people who whose rental units started after November 15th, 2018, because landlords can raise it whatever they want. My current landlord, I'm not going to say his name or anything, not unless he pisses me off enough, but <laughs> he could literally give me a 90-day notice that says, you see your rent? I'm putting it up by $3,000. Here you go. Here you go. There's nothing I can do about it which is complete bullshit. And maybe that's why even the, the people who don't want to admit it are ready for a Pierre Pauli of government. And now I'm going to shut up and I'd love to know your thoughts. We got about eight minutes. I see it. Um, it's, it's very complicated because here's the thing. As I've, I've said repeatedly on this podcast, I've said to you, Justin Trudeau, hasn't been a particularly great or awe-inspiring prime minister, but for the most part, he hasn't really played a role in our day-to-day -day lives. And I'll here's the thing. And I don't I don't know if you agree with it because I'm mostly talking vibes. Okay. But most of most of my problems, especially when I started to encounter it with, you know, my kids in education and I mean I haven't had to worry about the healthcare so much. But it's like rentals, okay? I've been in my current apartment since 2010, I believe. No, 2012. Well, you're, like safe. well you're safe then for 2020. No, no, no. Well, exactly. Um, but that's the thing. We're... <laughs> so Doug Ford came in. Well, and that was the interesting thing. And why it feels like a lot of the people attributing the quality of life going down so much with Justin Trudeau's government. Again, keep in mind, no love lost. I'm not defending him. I don't think he's done all that much for us. I disagree. I think you're forgetting one major point, and that is the carbon tax controls everything. It it pushes Here's not the... not only the gas. Remember, the groceries, everything that you buy, Matthew, here's here's my thing about the groceries, okay? And what makes me so mad that right now we've we have okay. So we'll hear these articles, okay, about groceries, grocery stores making record profits. That should piss every single person off, okay? Because here's my thought. If this were based on if this were okay, at first, you know, the excuse was inflation. And then the pandemic. Okay. Inflation came down, so the price is still up. Well, it's the carbon tax. 
here's here's my thought. If this was truly the fault of the carbon tax, the amount, the profits would not be records. They would be about the same because they would be charging you the difference between the carbon tax and, you know, what they're spending for that. But because they're making so much more money, here's the thing. I under, yeah, if, if I would be lying to you if I said the carbon tax didn't increase costs. Of course it increased costs. Its purpose is to increase costs. Its purpose is to change behavior. But I specifically fight against the the thought that it's increasing the price of the groceries so much because, again, record profits wouldn't come from them simply charging the difference between the carbon tax, like what they need to pay for the carbon tax. You, you get what I'm saying? And that's... Which is why I hate when Jagmeet Singh says it's grocery stores, grocery CEOs being greedy, you know, greedflation, and you got conservatives just scoffing, just like, no, that doesn't make sense. It's like, why, why is that not a part of the equation? So it's, it's, that's the thing. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that the carbon tax affects your life. Nothing. Because that's not true but it's just again with the grocery things and it's it's not it's not i say those things and it excuses the prime minister because it it can't because this is the frustrating thing is i support the intention of the carbon tax the intention being that it's supposed to change the behaviors to make us consume less oil and i understand that but and correct me if I'm wrong, this question has never been answered. Here's the question. Where the fuck's the money going? The money, uh, again, not that I'm looking into it officially with the government where that money is going. But my understanding is that money is supposed to go towards like technology and research. It's actually the things that the uh, Alberta conservatives want. They They talk about how... You know, they they want to talk about, you know, carbon capture. I mean, they mostly talk about that because they don't want to give up oil and gas. So they'd rather figure out a magic way to, you know, keep polluting and that just curing that. But I don't know. It's it's hard because I I I support the carbon tax while it's like, you know, someone hearing me say that they'd be like, well, you must be privileged. Um, You can afford it. And it's like you and I we know like i'm not it's not that i'm in a better position because of the carbon tax but it's like i understand what it's for and i agree with it that's i guess that's ultimately what i'm saying you know what it is i think i think even though you and i disagree because i would again we've been over this if if i was in any sort of spot my first move would be to repeal it but i think the driving force in your and i'm going to call it a passion is your love for the environment and i think people either maybe they don't believe that oh i can't be just that simple but but it actually is because you actually give a fuck about the environment i've haven't spent much time with you but the time that i've spent with you i've never seen you once litter you don't smoke, so you you're not uh, a butt thrower on the ground. Um, I don't know if you have a dog, but if you did, I I assume you pick up the duty. 
I don't have a dog. But that's just the type of person you are, and I I, I really respect that. But in, in a uh, what's the word you like to use in the ideological sense? That's where you and I disagree. And what's interesting is I I wonder. I would like to maybe get into this uh, farther when we come back, but I was thinking how, well, and earlier I'd mentioned where it's like, it would be hard for me to have a rational conversation about the conservatives because I fundamentally don't trust them. I wonder if that's the exact same thing with you for the federal liberals, where it's like, even if you're explained what, what the purpose of the carbon tax is and its best intentions, maybe fundamentally you don't trust them to do it that way. I would love that. Uh, but we do have a packed show. So let's put that on the <laughs> schedule. Uh, we got thoughts. Going it's... forward. Phil and I are going to take a quick break and we were, we'll see you guys on the other side. And we're back. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off there. If there's anything that you wanted to, to uh, finish this thought with, go ahead and then we can, uh, we can move on and, Call me on that shit next time. I'm so I'm gonna finish. Ultimately, here's what here's what frustrates me and what makes me feel like I have to jump in to defend Justin Trudeau, even though I don't think he's doing that great of a job as prime minister. And that is, I would like the criticism of him to be based in reality and not stupid made up bullshit. In so, and this is going to be my example of this week. There's a, and I'm not, here's the thing. Uh, and I think I brought this up last week. I don't really accuse the media of lying directly so much as say using stats in a way that's misleading. You know what I mean? Yes. Um. But so here, um, I think it was over the weekend or it was late last week. The National Post posted an article. Trudeau's Law Society. Exclusive data analysis reveals liberals appoint judges who are party donors. So that sounds pretty scandalous, right? Absolutely. Okay. So, Matthew. Of judges who donate to political parties... The the Liberal Party has appointed 76.3% who donate to Liberals as judges. Does that sound scandalous to you? No. Oh. Maybe perhaps. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were talking about like it needed to be a higher number. But yeah, I mean, it should be 50-50 down the... <laughs> no, I was going to say that that should sound scandalous. You know, it sounds like 76.3% of the judges appointed by the Liberals are Liberal Party donors. Yeah. I, I. So forget the fact that they're Liberal supporters. They donate. So basically, they're what? They're buying their job? So, the job so Matthew. Is for, the job is for sale. So that is, that is what the article is leading you to. Okay. okay? So it's presented like that. So that's judges who donate to a political party. Now, this isn't not in the article. It's in the article. But it kind of undermines their entire point. How many 
a percentage of judges appointed do you think donate to political parties? 100? 18%. So this scandal that they're trying to paint as the, the liberals um, just appointing liberal donors as judges, they're talking about 76.3% of 18%. They're talking about 14% of appointed judges are liberal party donors. I would say that article is telling you that the liberal party is extremely unbiased, but of course that's not what the article wants you to read with the headline. I see your point. And that's, so that's, good... that's my frustration. Um, Justin Trudeau isn't, isn't great. I, I promise you, I don't like the man, but please Criticize him for real and not stupid bullshit. This was posted by a few conservative MPs, a couple of, man, some real brain trust senators that we have in Canada. Um, anyways, so it's not a scandal. <laughs> anyways, and I, if you're going to and if you're going to, you know, bring up Justin Trudeau's faults, I mean, there's a lot of them. You don't have to. There's really a lot. You don't have to try very hard. You can trip. You, I can take two steps and trip over 17 uh, him fumblings. You know, uh, although ironically, I do love the video where it's pre him prime minister. And he's like, I'm going to show you a party trick where he falls down a flight of stairs. And then he just falls down a flight of stairs. It's very funny. Fuck Justin Trudeau. <laughs> I listen also fuck I'm okay saying that fuck Justin Trudeau but I I do love the man falling down some stairs so let's talk about it uh this past week we had a striking committee meeting and a special only 50 minutes uh city council meeting because they had to get some shit straight Hell yeah, they did. Olivia Chow had to appoint her people. Now, Fuck I want to yeah, start name by name because I remember Remember, we fantasy booked this shit, right? So. I think we were way off. We were way off. So <laughs> technically, the statutory and Toronto and East York deputy mayor is now Osma Malik, the War 10 counselor. Oh yeah. It, it was very clear that if <clears throat> for whatever reason Olivia Chow resigns or she can't finish her term, it's Ozma Malik. Not the, the first, other not the first other deputy, deputy mayor. Not the other deputy mayors. So here we are with uh, I, I'm not trying to knock her, but I'm gonna point shit out. We had John Tory and up until the new term started in last October, he had four deputy mayors. Well, now we're going back to that four deputy mayors, which I don't understand. If it's an honorary title, what's the fucking point? There's no bump in pay. Yeah, I feel like it only has come through once, and uh, that was pretty wild. So the deputy mayor for Etobicoke, York, is Ward Three Councillor Amber Morley. Oh, okay. You know what? I didn't realize it was um it was by region. Yeah. Uh 
the deputy mayor for North York. This is going to shock you, if unless you've seen the list. Mike Cole, Ward Seriously? 8 counselor. Seriously. I, I'm surprised it's not Pasternak, but I don't think Pasternak supported Olivia Chow. No, actually, I don't. Not, I mean, it doesn't feel like her picks are based on that stuff because the Scarborough deputy mayor is still Jennifer McKelvey, who is openly supporting Anna Bailau. But again, that's just an honorary title. So she yeah. lost her deputy mayor and her, her, her status as the deputy mayor, the official deputy mayor. She lost that status. I wonder if it was for supporting Anna Bailau. No, I think she just wanted to make Ozma Malik the main one because Ozma rules. Uh, your speaker will uh, continue to be Francis Nunziata, the Ward 5 counselor. Listen, the only reason I'll accept for that is if someone tells me they just didn't want to print a new placard there. You know, uh, that's the only thing I'll accept because... What the hell? You don't you don't need I feel like I feel like that's her being like she's trying to be um cross the aisle, sort of meet in the middle. But like she's been speaker for so long. Thirteen years. And I do have Could a mess I do have a message for Miss Nunziata. <laughs> or Mrs. Nunziata. I don't know how, how she goes. Anyway, uh I have two words to tell you. No, it's not that. <laughs> Clap softer. I was watching the city council meeting. I can't remember why they were clapping, but she clapped the longest because the clap was the loudest in the microphone. And she just kept going and going and going. And I'm like, ah, I turned the, the volume down because I, I couldn't handle the the very, very authoritative loud claps. <laughs> That's a weird thing to nitpick, isn't it? No, I, I love to hear it. So, I got some good news for you. Your boy, Ward 2 Councillor Stephen Holliday, resigned. No, I'm sorry, not as a city councillor. Resigned as the deputy speaker. Why do you think he did that? Did he have to? Did he have to be asked? No, he resigned. Oh. Does that, wait, does that... Does that I mean think, Olivia Chow had no... That's confusing. It's possible she went to his office and go, yo, motherfucker, you need to resign. <laughs> it's possible, God, I, but we'll never I wish know. Olivia Chow were that cool. <laughs> I someone, do know tell that... me, someone tell me if behind the scenes they know that Olivia Chow is actually that cool. <laughs> if someone were to tell me that, I would believe them. I'm um, looking to believe something, okay? I do know they're on opposite sides. Yeah. So I mean that, but that's not a surprise. <laughs> so the the replacement deputy speaker, uh, I think it's Ward Ward 14, 14 uh, City Councilor Paula Fletcher. Hmm. Sorry, what was she again? Deputy Speaker. Oh, okay. Okay, so now they uh, Olivia Chow has gone with eleven uh, seats uh, on the executive committee. Herself is the chair. Ozma Malik is the vice chair. Uh, Amber Morley gets a seat on the executive committee. So does Mike Cole. So does Jennifer McKelvey. So does Gord Perks. 
So does Alejandro Bravo. So does Paul Ainsley. So does Shelly Carroll. So does uh, an executive at large. Two seats go to Paula Fletcher and Josh Matlow. Now, the name that surprises me the most that you're going to see keeps popping up. I don't know if you're following along. Are you? I'm listening. No, no. I mean, do you have it in front of you? Oh, no. I guess I should oh, you, probably No, no, no. You don't. You don't. I prefer your reaction if you don't. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. No, I don't have it up in front of me. So you're going to see Shelly Carroll's name quite often, which is interesting because as you and I know, we were there day one. She was supporting Anna Bailao. She certainly was. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? You know, okay, I assume, like, here's the thing. What really, what bothered me with um, Doug Ford and his cabinet, I promise you I'm going to connect it to city council. I'm not just going back to rip Doug Ford a new asshole. Well, Again. I mean, that's fun. I mean, it, it, listen, believe you me, it super much is. But um, my problem was he put so many MPPs as, like, parliamentary assistants and like these these elevated roles that included an increase in pay which is like taxpayer funded right here's okay sorry coming back to how i want to connect this to the toronto city council i feel like it's fairly silly to have almost half the council on the executive committee it's not it's not scandalous because i assume they don't get a pay bump for this well that's a great question I just uh, I don't assume the city has the funds for a pay bump for that sort of thing. No, you heard it. We're broke. We're broke as hell. Even though you know we're going through on the MLSE. Is that is that something you're bringing up? No, but well, a, a funny fuck. little tidbit. Funny little tidbit. So, you ever been approached? That sounds bad. <laughs> you ever been approached by a guy or a girl selling a? Uh, like stuff out of boxes on the street corner, like perfume sets and stuff. Maybe back in the day. Not. Uh, not recently. Not recently, but I can't even like think of the experience. So I used to be one of those guys. Oh hell yeah! And yeah, the um, comics, comics by Young Bloor. No, we used to go to actually. We, funnily enough, we, we used to go to broke places like Regent Park, uh, Parkdale. And, and, you know, other places. Jane and Finch was good on Fridays. Um, but anyway, I was getting to a point, and now I can't remember. Um, oh, fuck, I had a great point, too. Uh, hopefully it'll come back to me. We rev ourselves up, and then we lose where we are. Um, if someone smarter than me could tell me if that's, like, ADHD or something, that'd be great. I'd love to know. Uh, so for the planning and housing chair, Gord Perks, the planning and housing vice chair, your boy. So I know this and it, it is, I know it's, it's Bradford, Bradford. I do <laughs> listen. I love this. Someone else said it before I did. So I'm not making this, uh, this comparison myself, but I love this buddy cop pairing. Like I have to tell you, I Hope anytime they're in a room together, Bradford in in his like mind palace hears the laughter like that Gord had that one meeting where, you know, Bradford was grandstanding and Gord was laughing through it, assumedly to like ruin the soundbite. 
Anyways, I fucking love this buddy cop pairing. I truly do. Um, also occupying a seat on the planning and housing committee, Jamal Myers. Hell yeah. Francis Nunziata. I don't know why. Josh Matlow. Hell yeah. And Michael Thompson. We're going to get to Michael Thompson. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that when I'm done this because we don't want to lose our train of thought again. Yeah. Uh, the Economic and Community Development Chair, Alejandro Bravo. Hell yeah. The Economic and Community Development Vice Chair, Shelly Carroll. Now, is what do you suppose that is? Is that mostly like events in the city kind of thing? I think so. Oh, yeah, probably tourist stuff too. Yes. Cool. Uh, also occupying a seat on the Economic and Community Development Committee, uh, Chris Moise, Paula Fletcher, Jay Robinson, and Ozma Malik. Uh, the Infrastructure and Environment Chair, Jennifer McKelvey. The Infrastructure and Environment Vice Chair, Mike Cole. Also occupying a seat on the Infrastructure and Environment Committee, James Pasternak, Anthony Peruza, Diane Sachs, and Amber Morley. You know, I was going to say, I wondered if what it seemed like what those picks had in common until you got to Diane Sachs and Amber Morley was that they were all like um, incumbent counselors. So in my mind, I'm thinking maybe Olivia's thought is like they've been in government, so they know government sort of thing. Um, and with Diane Sachs, of course, uh, she's environmentalist. Like, I'm pretty sure she's former Green Party. So yes. that makes sense. Um, and then whatever, throw Amber in. She's cool. She can do what she wants. Um, so for the infrastructure. Oh, sorry. We just did that one. Uh, General Government Committee, the chair, Paul Ainsley, the nightmare. Hell yeah. Oh, is he still the nightmare? Is that part of the striking committee? Oh, I don't know. I thought you I thought you called him that, so that's why I called him that. Oh, it's a real title. Oh. I'm pretty okay. sure. You know what? I'm gonna hold I'm on. Let's send you keep talking and I'm gonna tweet at Paul. Uh the general government committee vice chair, your boy, Stephen Holiday. <laughs> really starting to feel not great about the your boy bits about Stephen Holiday. <laughs> you notice how I know that you have a kinship with Paul Ainsley, but I didn't say your boy to Paul Ainsley. I, <laughs> because when I say that, it's only going to be in a negative connotation. Um, sorry. So also occupying a seat on the general government committee committee <laughs> is John Burnside, Lily Chang, Vince Crisanti, and Nick Mantis. Your thoughts? Sorry, I was, I was so focused on my my tweet to. Uh... Do I mean to do I mean to re, re, uh, redo the names? Paul Paul Ainsley, Stephen Holiday, John Burnside, Lily Chang, Vince Crisanti, and Nick Mantis. Oh my God! With the exception of uh, Councillor Ainsley, and I don't really know too much about Councillor Mantis. Uh, that's like a straight up roster of villains. What is that file? The General Government Committee. You gotta, oh my God! I don't. Do they just do nothing? Because it's like you got to stuff them somewhere. 
I because oh. it it really does sound like with like I guess you know Michael Thompson isn't there, but like <laughs> I'm actually surprised that he landed on the planning and housing committee. Yeah, we'll get to more of him in a minute. <laughs> so the budget committee. So I take it the the chair of the budget committee is the new budget chief, correct? I believe so. Shelley Carroll. Interesting. Very interesting, considering. She supported Anna Bailao. You know, there's there had to have been a backroom thing. As soon as she got elected, Shelley Carroll's probably like, you know, let's have a conversation. I don't know. I'm speculating. <laughs> you know, I think that's the hard thing because it's like I feel like it's naive for me to think it's like, oh no, it must have just been normal. Love each other got elected. Uh, they had respect for each other, and it went from there. I feel like that's very naive of me to like come from that position. You know, it. You know what it feels like to me? I, I'll be completely honest with you, and I have no knowledge of anything. This is a Bradford-type move. Mm. Where Bradford is going to do what Bradford needs to do to maintain Bradford's career. Can we now say that about Shelley Carroll? You know what? I think I'm, I think I'm not thinking too much about Shelley Carroll. So I'll give you that interpretation and and we can kind of see where that where that goes, you know. And again, as I said, going on. And again, as I said last week, if I'm wrong, I'll eat it. I don't protest to be someone who is right all the time. I'm wrong a lot. I just don't happen to think it's this time. <laughs> um. So the budget committee vice chair, Mister Gord Perks, and I picked him to be the chair. If you remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very close. So is that like the closest we've gotten so far? Because it's, I mean, we also didn't guess too many files because I think we sort of just went with what we thought was the bigger ones. Um, I believe you went with Alejandro Bravo for deputy mayor, didn't you? And then you said, I budget, think so. Yeah. Said budget chief. Uh, I thought Matt Lau. Matt Lau. And I said deputy mayor Matt Lau and budget chief Gord Perks. I, I did not think we would get a deputy mayor Matt Lau. Okay, so also occupying seats on the budget committee, Lily Chang, Chris Moise, Amber Morley, and Jennifer McKelvey. That's pretty interesting, because those are like newbies plus Jennifer McKelvey. I think the next one we're going to have to talk about a little bit. So we're going to talk about the police board. And before I tell you who's on the police board, Olivia Chow declined her right as the mayor to be on the police board. I and got I, I gotta hear what you have to say about that. I feel like it's it's hard for me to know. It's it's hard because here's the thing. I feel like it's a symbolic gestural thing um that I support. At the same time, you imagine okay. Here's the thing. I don't know how much, how strong a voice the mayor has on the police board. Remember when we were, I can't remember who we were talking to. Rob Davis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rob Davis. He was telling us about how the police get their budget, whether or not the city agrees with it or not, essentially. How much influence does the mayor have on the police board? If it's very little and it's mostly a symbolic seat, I'd say... I'd say she's sending a good message by giving that up. And that's that's a good point. But if 
now here's the thing. Uh, my my more complicated thought was, you know, if she does actually have power in that seat as the mayor, she shouldn't have given it up. So you know that she could influence big things. But again, I don't know what anyone's capacities on the Toronto board, what power that gives them. So if it's almost nothing and it's mostly symbolic, I 100% support Olivia throwing that away. So but- then you probably answered my next question because I do have one more for you. In the same vein that we know that Justin Trudeau is soft on crime, does that paint the same picture for Olivia Chow being soft on crime? No. Um <sighs> I think it's it's hard for me because I I feel like, you know, as a society, we are still very deferential towards our police service. And again, I don't necessarily associate police and um, respect for police with uh, lower crime rates. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's not, it's hard to speculate when you're not at the table. I, I understand That's that. very true. I feel like, oh, why couldn't Olivia Chow, please come on the show. I would love, I'd love to pick her brain. You know, I'm so curious. Absolutely. I think, I think this would be so interesting to know what her mindset is here. Because, you know, as, until we understand how much power there is having that seat on the police board, um, we can, you and I, we can only speculate. Absolutely. So would you like to know who, I mean, there's two other seats, but the seat that would have been occupied by Olivia Chow, she's sending Amber Morley in her place. Um, also on the police board, Lily Chang. That doesn't surprise me. And he's not, it's not enough to say your boy. So I'm not going to say that, but here's a John Burnside, John Burnside. <laughs> You were gonna say my boy John Burnside. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Again, once again, it it does almost feel like it's a do these do these people do they want to be on the police board because they love the police? I mean, John Burnside. Yeah, he's a former cop. Of course, I believe he wants to be on the police board because he loves the cops. Um, it's like Amber Morley. Are you there as like a? I guess, and I guess again, it's what do they do on the on the police board specifically? Right. You know, I I think I just. It's... Well, here here's here's the thing. I'll, I'll try to shed. Well, I'm not really going to shed light, but so Amber Morley uh, is one of the ones I didn't get a chance to interview. Our times just never met up, um, so I am unaware whether she had a soft stance on crime or hard stance being where she's from Etobicoke Lakeshore. I mean, I went on last year on my other podcast about the shit that went down in South Etobicoke and how it got worse over the last six years that we lived there with the, 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 the shooting, the drive-by shootings, the drug dealing, the fucking war games, fireworks game. They used to play all of it. I, Oh, I remember an exact conversation about it. Exactly. So I'm not going to go on about that, right? It's, it's, I feel like I would just be, 
spiking the ball or as my good friend, not good friend, he doesn't know me, but <laughs> someone I really, really admire, Jim Cornette says, it's putting a hat on a hat. You know, Matthew, sometimes I think you got to manifest these things. You know, Jim Cornette is your good friend. And you just internalize that. You're like, as my good friend Jim Cornette says, and until he sends you a cease and desist, like, fuck off, don't talk about me like that. You keep calling him your friend. My friend, you got to manifest friends. Absolutely. You know, one thing he says... That was my nonsense segment for the day. (laughs) One thing he says... uh, uh, when he signs off his podcast, he, he, he signs off with thank you, fuck you, bye. And uh, <laughs> I always love that. You know, I could go on about wrestling and Jim Cornette for hours, but let's, uh, let's finish up this list. We got one left, the TTC board. Ooh. So oh. the, the new chair of the TTC board, Jamal Myers. Congratulations. Why don't you ever ever say your boy to the, to like the good ones? (laughs) Why can't it be my boy, Jamal Myers? It's always got to be my boy, Stephen Holiday. And I don't think you said it. You didn't say my boy, Michael Thompson, right? Is that, I said my boy, my boy is, I'm either going to, I'm either going to tell you Holiday or Bradford. (laughs) That's fair. You know what? I'm cool with it. It just makes me laugh. Very um, funny, but 100%. What up to my boy Jamal? Our you know, man, Scar- I, coming in from Scarborough North on the TTC because that fucker doesn't own a car. I love that man. He is I, my I political idol. He, he was one of the first interviews I did. In fact, we'll get to a little bit later, but um, ah, I can't spoil it now. Sorry. Uh, he was one of the first interviews that I did. It was really good. He's very passionate. He talked about um, he talked about helping his grandmother across the street, and that's when it re- he it kind of formalized in his brain the problems with not only traffic but TTC uh, TTC congestion and all all that kind of stuff because it all kind of wraps together. Um, so also on the TTC board. Josh Matlow. Hell yeah, that's my boy. Again, <laughs> the, my boys for the good ones, please. No, I know. I, I don't want to ruin your joke, but. Paul Ainsley. Oh, yeah. So we're still pretty solid. Diane Sachs. You know, I feel like I have, I have something to say about Diane Sachs, but <sighs> knowing what I know about Diane Sachs, that appointment makes sense in terms... Well, actually, no, it doesn't. Um, well, I mean... I have, some, I have something to say about Diane Sachs, but... And the last two, Chris Moise and your boy. Oh, my God. God damn it. Which boy is it? Stephen Holiday. What the fuck? At, you know, at least... At... At least sometimes Bradford pretends to give a shit. Stephen Holiday, what are you doing? So I have a statement here from Ozma Malik. I'm going to read it real quick. Uh, I'm incredibly honored to be appointed the first deputy mayor by Tor- of Toronto by Mayor Olivia Chow and my fellow councillors. 
I love Toronto. It's my home. And I believe that everyone should be able to imagine a future here. In a city like ours, all of us should have what we need to thrive and see ourselves reflected in our city's leadership. I'm excited to collaborate with neighbors across the city and my city council colleagues to meet our most urgent priorities and make life better for all Torontonians. Together, we can do this. I, I'm going to point this out, but it's going to sound like I'm being picky. So I apologize in the upfront, but I'm incredibly honored to be appointed first deputy mayor. She had to point that out. Um, Listen, it was very important for her to point that out. And also she was, she was appointed by Olivia Chow, not her fellow counselors. Uh, How's it phrased? It's phrased. I'm incredibly honored to be appointed First Deputy Mayor of Toronto by Mayor Olivia Chow and my fellow councillors. Olivia Chow is the one who brought the list to council and goes, here you go, this is what I want. Yeah. As she should, Uh, she is the mayor. Yeah, it it sounds like it's just like flowery language, you know, like it doesn't, I feel like not everything needs to be read too deeply into, but at the same time, you're right, it's a weird thing to say. Um. There are some tweets here from Olivia Chow. Uh, Today, I'm proud to introduce the Toronto team who are all committed to addressing the many real and immediate challenges ahead of us. This team reflects Toronto and is single-mindedly focused on the people's priorities and building an affordable, safe, and caring city. I I made a commitment to bring a deeply collaborative style of leadership to City Hall and a renewed uh, purpose to deliver the kind of change that people demand. Today, we took the first step. Your thoughts? It's it's just, I feel like the hard thing with these like political statements is is like, they all sort of sound like flowery without too much intention. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's a very cynical read, but I'm very cynical about politics this week, so... We're going to, so Nick, I have something that I want to read, but it's going to take too long. So next week I'm going to read this and it's just more in depth about the positions and the people who are going to be in them. Um, What I did was just read you a list Uh, very quickly. uh, We got five minutes. I just want, I want to, we have to touch this. So we're going to touch it, but we're just going to put our fingerprints on it. We're not going to grab it and make it our bitch. Um, I, I got to get your thoughts. Pickering Mayor Kevin Ash received campaign don- donations from several developers who benefited from the Greenbelt removals, but not many donations from actual Pickering residents, it seems. This was a tweet by John Boker. And it's funny because when I... Oh, that's a picture. So the top two names that I can see are... D. Gasparis of mm. the of the construction family. Yeah. Um, there's other ones too. The Apostolopoulos family. There's lots of D. Gasparises and <laughs> and the other name I just said. Um, in the amounts of like twelve thousand something. I, I can't because it's cut off. 
12,000, 13,000, 13,000, uh, you know, or whatever, like, so, you know, it's funny. Another thing that you, I don't know if you knew this, but when I was on my other podcast, I wasn't just interviewing Toronto candidates. I opened it up Ontario wide. I spoke with uh, someone who ran in Ottawa for Ottawa mayor. No, not the guy who won. It was someone else. But um, Kevin Ash is someone that I reached out to repeatedly, never got a response. Um, it's one of those things as our <laughs> our old friend uh, used to tell us, if they're not available before or during the election, they won't be available afterwards. So there's that. And I, I just, you know, we got three minutes. I'd love to just, I don't even know if you know about this, what, whatever you want to say about this. And maybe, maybe next week we can dig into this deeper. Yeah. I actually, I hadn't heard too much about this. It's just, but it's just, it's more, it's more shit on the Doug Ford tree, right? Like this is just, I mean, it's, it's the Pickering mayor. So it's, I don't know, but it's like, I think I had heard somewhere that it's in terms of vocal support for the Greenbelt swap. My understanding is the Pickering mayor who we're talking about supported the swap, but the Pickering council did not. Correct. Um, And I'm not, I don't think Pickering, Pickering does not have the strong mayor powers. However, um, you know, these are the same, correct me if I'm wrong. Please do. Municipalspod.com. Or what am I saying? The municipalspod at yahoo.com. Email us. That's where you can send your comments, your questions, and everything you want to say, and I will listen. And if it's entertaining enough, Phil and I will read it on the air. Now, he's mentioning this very actually because my brother gave us a very thoughtful critique. Uh, he didn't specifically say he didn't want us to cover it. Um Unless I read him wrong and he's like, I want you guys to cover this. In which case, I misread you. Sorry, dude. Um, but it was a very good thought. Um, I think we might have just missed saying the email the last few episodes, maybe. It's possible. I'll say it again at the end. So my point is, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Some of these names are the same donors for the conservative party. Do you remember when I had that flip out, uh, whatever you want to call it, where I said everybody should be a goddamn independent because parties are not free. They're owned. They're owned by their donors. And that's the problem that I have with party politics. And it's not exclusive to Canada. It happens in the U S that's why I, I have made a solemn vow that I'm going to try to vote independent whenever I can. If I have to strategically vote, like, I'll be honest with you. We got a minute here, so I got to wrap it up. But the only per, the only upcoming that I would see that I would have to shift my vote strategically is to get rid of Justin Trudeau. At this point, even though I don't like Jagmeet Singh, I've been honest about that. I don't like any of them. But I'm willing to take 
NDP government. I'm willing to take conservative government. And if the Bloc Quebecois was big enough, I'd be, I'd be willing to try them too. Hey, if, listen, they can always hire me to run Scarborough Southwest Bloc Quebecois. Or the Green Party. Come on. Oh, shit. Oh, the Green Party. Come on. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we are going to take our final break and we'll be back on the other side. And welcome back. And, um, you know, Philip, I said I would update everyone. <laughs> the following week, like last week, I said I would update everyone. So let me go ahead and do that. Um, I still have gotten no response from our city council, specifically uh, Councillor Moise, Councillor Carroll, uh, Councillor Sachs, uh, and Councillor Perusa, and Councillor Morley. I, oh, that's right. I didn't tell you. I I actually emailed. I actually emailed um, Councillor Carroll after we recorded last week, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, "Hi, Councillor Carroll. My name is Matthew King, and I run a weekly podcast called The Municipals, where we cover Toronto municipal politics." I've listened to the clip of the roundtable that you took part in last week on the 1010. Uh, I just put on the 1010, but I meant the 1010 radio show. Uh, with <laughs> I, Rob, think, I think they understood. With Rob Davis and would like some clarification. You stated that the city does not have the money to spend on changing the street names like Dundas and Young. But you also stated that council was still going to debate it. There's a Toronto Sun article stating that Mayor Chow is moving forward with this. When is this matter scheduled to go to council? And why would council debate this matter knowing there is no money? Also, there are other matters more important, such as the Toronto homeless, the housing crisis, the TTC, the Gardner, Ontario Place, and so on. Why is this matter not at the bottom of the totem pole where it belongs? Thanks in advance, Matthew King, the Municipals. P.S. You are welcome to appear on the show anytime you like. I love it. We gotta, we gotta get those invites in. No answer. I listen. Again, I'm not trying to knock any of the names I just threw out there, but. I, I was looking at these staff and they've got like they've got like eight staffers, nine staffers, seven staffers. You mean to tell me not one of them could take five minutes to say, hey, uh, this is the email. How do you want to respond? Okay, thank you. And then write it themselves and send it to me. I, I don't understand why that's difficult. You know, it I, there is a portion of our audience that hates when I talk about Rob Ford, but the one thing he stood for was customer service and responding to phone calls and emails. <sighs> I guess I expected better. And again, that's not a knock. If I wanted to knock these counselors, believe me, I could, but I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that because we all have to work together. We want them on this show. Of course, they probably want us to say good things about them which is cool, but we all have to work together. Um, do you have anything you want to say on that before we move on? You know, I I don't have all the details. I really should before I I blast Councillor Sachs, but there's a tweet going around. Oh, yes. Has, Thank you. Oh, have Ruth, you seen that? 
I was going to bring it up, but I forgot. Yes. Do you have it in oh. front of you? Yeah, I do. Let's do um, it. So it's at Miss Longpree, uh, Anne-Marie Longpree. Uh, so apparently she's been emailing uh, Diane Sachs about uh, her public statements about the, I assume the homeless encampments. I really wish I had the time to to figure out what that was. But um, but she sent a response, a very curt and short, really just not. Anyways, the response was, again, I wish I'd known what the email was initially, but the response was, Dear Anne-Marie, I appreciate your concern, but I put children's safety first. Best wishes, Diane Sachs. See, I don't God. understand the context because if we're talking about, okay, if this woman is frustrated with the tents at parks, then I could understand Diane Sachs going, well, no, I side with the kids' safety. We got to get rid of these tents. I, I, I understand. I may not agree with it, but I understand it. Yeah. However, it doesn't, if you flip it around, it that doesn't work. You're no. So obviously the, the email would be in support of um, cannon clearance. No, 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 no. They'd be in support of the encampments and the people there. So, like, she was saying that either... I don't know. It sounds like she sucks. <laughs> uh, this all goes back to the one of the very first votes, remember? And she voted alongside uh, John Tory and then had felt the need to have to defend it on Twitter. Yeah. And, oh and, yeah and can you imagine blast. like that first thing you do and then oh my god just going on twitter and having to hmm. embarrassing please promise me that when you make it because it's not a matter of if it's when you make it that's not, confidence that i wish i had you're not going to feel the need to have to defend every decision you make because you'll have done the back work before you make the decision because you'll have asked your constituents, which I'm not saying none of these counselors do, but we don't ever hear that. Yeah, that's true. So should we move on to the, well, it's, it's the semi-main event. It's, I, I left this out. You know, we hinted at it earlier, but I left it out because it deserves its own, uh, uh, I guess, plot. Okay, And I'm talking, of course, about, the, was it this past weekend at the Caribbean Jerk Fest mm. on stage dancing with Mayor Olivia Chow, Counselor Michael Thompson. Can I go first and then you can take me to school or, di or agree with me, whatever you want to do. I, I need go to get this off my chest. ahead. So, I... <sighs> This woman, I'm going to be respectful, but this woman <sighs> dancing with someone who, yes, in Canada and even in the United States, you are innocent until proven guilty. But, and here's where the but comes in. And, and I have a friend who's like, no, no, there's no but. But for me, there's a but because we're, we're not talking about, you know, grand theft auto we're not talking about even a dui we are talking about one of the two what i consider unforgivable crimes ever one is murder i'm not talking about murder i'm talking about the other one sexual assault 
Um, and if you, you know, if you want to add a third one, there's sexual assault of, of a minor, but we're not talking about that. These, these were grown ass adult women that are accusing him. So even though you are presumed innocent until proven guilty or innocent, not even presumed innocent until proven guilty in this country and, and in North America, I, I can't help but say, but due to the nature of what he is charged with come 2026 let's for argument's sake i'm going to speculate let's say that he is found guilty before 2026 am i insane in thinking that anyone who's running against olivia chow is going to play that video to remind everyone that she was dancing with a a sexual abuser. I think that's fair. I think alleged. I mean, sorry, alleged sexual abuser at this point. But you, you hear, you follow me. Um, the game of politics. The game of politics. A huge part of it is perception, and you know, that's that's the thing. How it's not a good look for Olivia Chow. I'm sorry. It, I agree not. with that. I don't think it. Like, listen, the best. Yeah, what's interesting is I feel like who who here is interested in in defending Olivia Chow doing a like shimmy with Michael Thompson because like it's not going to be pro Olivia Chow people. I don't think Michael Thompson has like a cult of personality that has, you know, Thompson people. So it's like why just just you know optics are a huge part of the game. Absolutely. And bothers me because as we know olivia chow is a female and that makes it even worse it's different if it was a male mayor maybe i don't know i i have well, no idea well i mean if it were john tory we'd just assume like like i i guess what's terrible is we wouldn't think twice about it if it were john tory no because they're already high-fiving behind the scenes yeah it i guess that's frustrating it's just it it's frustrating because it doesn't it's it's, it's stupid it rubs me the wrong way, and this is the kind of shit that I remember that I don't let go of. Um, it, it's just bad. And if and if he is convicted, I'm telling you, there's the ele- whoever wants to run against Olivia Chow. Hello, Josh Matlow, are you listening? There you go. In the pl- here's you go on Josh, a silver platter. Josh, if you're my friend, you will not do that. <laughs> Not the run part, just the the take advantage of that. <laughs> um, I just it left a bad taste in my mouth, and that's all I really have to say about that. I'm I'm disappointed. I'm also disappointed because here we are, we're another weekend. Again, I drive by what is it, one twenty nine Peter, twice a week. There were people out there last time I drove by, but not like it was before. So the refugees have been taken care of and are being taken care of. But the Toronto homeless remain in need of help. And I know what I know what you're going to say. We're broke. We have no money. But we have 31 million to change street names. And I think but we're wanna, not doing it. But we're not doing it. I think I want to I want to reiterate I must I think I asked you this question What's going on in your street? I just saw a whole line of cars. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
I think I might have asked you this last week, but I just want to reiterate my point. Kind of uh, spike the ball, I guess. Let's say we do it. What does it solve? What does it do? What is the benefit of changing the names? You're up. You know, <laughs> again, this would be a good opportunity uh, because this is what we got that that letter about. Um, but again, I, I, <laughs> so it's for my brother Simon, and I, I feel like he made a very uh good point. But I don't want to. You don't have to read the whole thing if you just want to pick and choose. Ooh, uh, maybe I will do that quickly. I mean. I know he had a main point about, uh, you know, at the very least, um, you know, not lionizing or, you know, I'm tired. I my brain is falling apart. You know, <laughs> but but here's the thing, Philip. For every file, for every problem that the city faces right now, the number two question, because the number one question should always be, how much is it going to cost? And maybe number two would be how long will it take? Number three has to be what is the benefit? What does it solve? Nobody can answer that. <laughs> unless unless, unless you're going to give me a philosophical you know uh, 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 answer. And I'm, I'm you know what? I'm not in a position to do that tonight. Oh. I just it it bugs me it, it because that's I, I wouldn't consider myself a full progressive I just wouldn't because to me when you say you're a progressive you rubber stamp everything that a progressive does especially one that you're following I wear it all when I supported Doug, I supported Doug Ford for the first four years of his premiership whatever you want to call it. So, and I supported him because I said, well, he's done more good than bad. That was my answer to everyone who wanted to get into an argument with me. Well, he's done more good than bad. He's done more good than bad. And so I have to wear it. Everything that he did in those four years, I, I have to wear it because I supported him. And I hold myself to that example, but I don't support him anymore. So after 2022, whatever he's done since... I don't support it, so I don't have to wear it. Um, so I feel like if I said, well, I'm a full-blown progressive and I support progressiveness, that means that anything that, because Olivia Chow would be, if she's not described as NDP, she's definitely described as uh, a progressive, which means that I would have to agree or... Uh, you know what? I don't know. I would I don't... have to... No, you don't subscribe to that? No, I think I think I think you're not giving enough people credit for not necessarily being partisan to you can support Doug Ford, but that doesn't like for example, you can you can support Doug Ford, but you don't have to have supported every single thing he did. You know what I mean? Right. So even if you consider yourself a progressive, you don't have to support and in fact like the sort of joke, the online joke about leftists is that there's constant uh, infighting because there's so many different um, <laughs> because no one like 
Oh my god, it is. I'm falling apart. It's you. You can't. PM. It's the 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 leftists can't agree on a definition. Is that what it is? No, it's just. No, it's just. I think what I'm trying to say is. You can you can label yourself as ever as anything. You don't necessarily have to own the decisions made by governments who align under your banner because you're not frankly you're not the one there you could have in fact you could have voted for them and their and their decisions don't necessarily have to reflect on you i think that's my position that's a good point and uh you know i think this is a good point to end it and tell our listeners you know if you guys want to get involved in the conversation we want to hear your comments your questions suggestions please email us at themunicipalspod at yahoo.com. And, uh, you know, if it's entertaining enough, we'll read it on the air. I will. But that sounds like a threat. (laughs) Let's get to our big announcement. So we are going to be taking a short break, a two-week break, to coincide with the rest of the summer. You know, Phil and I both have families. We want to spend some time. I got some time off coming up, so I don't know your situation, but that's my situation. And, you know, we just want to spend more time with our our families, especially the kids before they go back to school. So we're going to be taking a two-week break, but what Phil doesn't know is you're still going to be able to get content. I'm going to dig into my archive, and next week I'm going to put on an old interview that I did with current city councilor of Ward 11, Diane Sachs. Oh, shit. I'm also going to put on the following week um, a an interview that I did, again, way back with current city councilor of Ward 23, Jamal Myers. Oh, yeah. So you guys are welcome to listen to that. Uh, in our absence, and then we're going to be back in two weeks around Labor Day. Maybe we might extend it a third week. We'll decide then. But we really love what we've been able to do for you guys here, talking about Toronto city politics, even having a worldwide audience, which is crazy considering the topics, considering the original premise of the show was to cover Toronto municipal politics and we've kind of branched out we have our uh you know provincial pals federal pals <laughs> and what do you call the like US ones uh we need to I think I need to come up with something but I feel like we could come up with something fun there it could be the <laughs> I don't want to say the white house of pals no 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 <laughs> we will come up with something during our time off um again but before we go we want to thank our listeners and i think we should do the list because we're not going to be here for two weeks so you know we have listeners in italy france uk belgium uh uh, turkey philippines um sri lanka uh, venezuela barbados mexico uh el salvador um I think I'm forgetting one. I always fucking forget them. And then, of course, in the United States, we have listeners in Ohio, Minnesota, Oregon, California, Nevada, Alabama, uh, 
Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Indiana, New York, um, Kansas, Missouri, and there's there's more. I just there's no way for me to 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 remember them all. Um, and of course, our homegrown fans right here in Canada, obviously the biggest being in Ontario, and we thank you guys so much. Um, we have listeners in BC, Alberta, uh, New Brunswick, Nova, Sco- uh, not Nova Scotia. Come on, Nova Scotia, um, Newfoundland, Quebec. So we want to thank all our listeners near and far worldwide. Thank you guys so much for helping to put us on the map. Um, of course, we're going to be facing another by-election. Uh, we don't have the dates yet. Don't We don't, do we? we? We might have some updates on that in two weeks. The registration opens up September 7th. Well, there you go, September 7th. And then um, uh, uh, when is uh, Election Day? Do you know? I th- I think it's still... They're still talking about it as a range. So I, I think it's still... Uh, I think it's still late November, early December. It's in time for Christmas. Oh, yeah. You'll get sworn in and be like, oh, sorry, we're on holidays. (laughs) Happy (laughs) birthday to me, baby. (laughs) All right, everyone. You know, I love to be a little partisan dickling, and I hope you enjoy my partisan dickling antics for another week. Um, We'll be back in three weeks. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uh, vote. Multiple-